0: Well, as I was doing research throughout this entire series, I've looked at a lot of pictures of bridges all around the world, and I've read about a lot of, you know, some of the most famous and most amazing bridges all around. But this bridge that I want to show you now is so unique in the sense that it's probably one of the few bridges that I'm pretty positive that I will never cross, (laughs) I would never even try it. This is the Husani Suspension Bridge, And it is considered to be the most dangerous bridge in the entire world. Now, if you see it and study it long enough, you'll see why they say that. It is found in northern Pakistan. And the experts say that it's relatively safe. Relatively safe? (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. Listen to what they say about it. You are warned before you cross it that the crosswinds are strong enough that they may blow you off of this bridge while you're trying to cross it. How is that relatively safe? It's crazy. It does very little to ease one's conscience, ease one's nerves, when you notice there's this older broken down bridge hanging there in tatters next to what they refer to as the new bridge. Relatively safe, my foot. That's not safe at all. You'd be crazy to cross that bridge. I don't know if you're this way, but when I see something like this, I wonder how did they do that? I mean, this is a really remote part of Pakistan. There's not a lot of roads there, so there's not a lot of heavy equipment that gets into these areas. I wonder how they built this bridge. How did they they get those cables across that river? How did they do that? I see this. I know that when you build a bridge, it's challenging and can be really difficult regardless of where you build it. But something like this, it seems like it's almost impossible. When I think about the world right now, so much of it seems out of control. And that's created so much uncertainty for so many people. It started me thinking how similar it feels to driving down a road knowing that somewhere up ahead there's a bridge that's out. Am I going to deal with that? Am I going to have to face that? Many are looking at the future with a certain amount of fear and uncertainty. I know we've in the past had times where we've faced all kinds of difficulties, I mean serious difficulties, but for some reason this seems really different. There are these disagreements, seemingly all around our country. Arguments, anger, nobody seems to have any solutions for these challenges that we're facing. And as we face these seismic challenges, what can we do about it? You and I. The body of Christ, what could the church do about it? If it is possible, what could we be part of if we were part of the solution that was actually put into place to repair what has been broken. All these disagreements have led to divisions that if left unaddressed, if they go long enough, they will do serious long-term damage to our culture, to this community, maybe to this church, even possibly to some of the families that are watching this message to me together with me today. So what is the remedy? If it is possible, how do we fix this? During this series, we've been challenged to build a bridge to help fix the problems that we face. And building a bridge simply means taking steps to repair the division that we see in our lives. The Bible shows us that the best way to actually build a bridge is require showing agape love to those around us. But some of the division that we face is with people who despise us. In fact, we might even say they hate us because our beliefs are different, our race is different, our politics are different. Or there's a whole host of other reasons and issues that they might hate us And when we look at the possibilities of fixing the problems with someone like that, it seems almost impossible. Yet, what I want to propose today is that each of us build a bridge that seems impossible. Build a bridge that seems impossible. Jesus taught about this subject in Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 43 through 47. So if you're following along on the app or you want to open your Bible, turn to Matthew 5, starting with verse 43. This is what Jesus says. You have heard heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now I want to tell you a little bit about that phrase that he said, you probably have heard this. You probably heard this around, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was probably a common saying, maybe even a slogan that was popular during the first century, during Jesus' time. And there's some interesting things that are going on in this saying. First of all, the command, love your neighbor, is found in Leviticus 19, verse 18. But nowhere in the Bible do we find the phrase, and hate your enemies. It's just not there. So apparently Jesus is quoting a popular perversion of Leviticus 19, 18. And you know, it's easy to live like that. Love your neighbor, hate your enemies. It's really easy to live like that. Just love those who love you and hate those who hate you. That's probably why it was popular. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 44. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus flips the script here. He contrasts this modern thinking of love your neighbor and hate your enemies and he, and he changes it to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This love that he's talking about, it's a love that's based in Jesus' teachings and his example. Jesus explains this love to us through his life and then he models it for us. He's pointing and an all-encompassing kind of love. That's what Jesus requires of us. It's a love that knows no class or ethnic boundaries. It's a love that actively seeks the eternal well-being of all of those around us, regardless of the harm that they might want to cause you. It's a love that's for even people who would fall in the category of enemies. One key expression of this love for our enemies is prayer. That's what Jesus said. Praying for an enemy and loving him will be mutually supportive. More love leads to more prayer, or more prayer will always lead to more love. John Stott gives us an interesting take on this idea of prayer in his book, Message, of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what he writes. Jesus seems to have prayed for his tormentors actually while the iron spikes were being driven through his hands and feet. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If the cruel torture of crucifixion could not silence our Lord's prayer for his enemies, what pain, pride, prejudice, or sloth could justify the silencing of ours. Jesus didn't talk about loving our enemies alone. He put it into action. He put it into action by saying, pray for them. And he showed us how that could be done. In verse 45, he continues, He says, "That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the, his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus commands us to show unrestricted love for our enemies that is grounded in our relationship with God. God's indiscriminate love and goodness results in natural blessings being poured out on everyone. God's children will imitate his benevolent compassion by exhibiting the same unrestricted love for all of humanity. Verse 46 and 47. If you love those who love you, Jesus said, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? He's saying this love is not based upon some reciprocity where you do for me, and then as a result, I'll do the same for you. Jesus explains, to love in response of love is natural. To have a favorable attitude toward those whom we like, it's a common everyday occurrence. In fact, Jesus points out that even tax collectors and pagans They respond favorably when it's reciprocated. In this passage, Jesus calls his followers to an exceptional love that is grounded in the very heart of God. And the Bible talks about this all throughout it. This whole idea of how God sees our enemies. Look at what he says in a number of these verses that give us insight in how our hearts should be toward those who might even hate us. But certainly, they wear, they, they wear the title enemy in our lives. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. Proverbs 24, 29, Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. These are great insights into how God wants us to show love for our enemies. See, Jesus, he was speaking not just to us today, but if you think about it, in the moment he was talking, he's speaking to the Directly to the first century religious culture that thought hating one's enemies was acceptable. But he's saying instead, we should love them. We should love our enemies. So, how do you actually show love to an enemy? How do you build a bridge to someone who hates you? And for some of you who hear this, you're probably thinking about someone, and if you were really honest, you probably carry some hate for them as well. Throughout this series, we've talked about the best way to build a bridge is by showing the other person agape love. That's the love Scripture talks about. It's unconditional, no-strings-attached kind of love, and that's what Jesus is referring to in this text. By showing agape love, we take specific actions that will work toward repairing these broken relationships, bridging some of these divisions. But I, I had to think about this for a while, and I started to realize that a lot of people who are going to hear this message will surmise that they could never build a bridge to someone who fit the category of enemy with them. But Paul reminds us that God equips us for this. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verse 7. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If you're a follower of Jesus, who has given your life to Jesus, and you've been baptized into Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit living in you then the Holy Spirit will give you power to repair any relationship, even in the face of opposition. He will fill you with love even when you feel no love for them at all. This is a special kind of love, a love that the Holy Spirit can give us. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse four. Listen to the attributes of this kind of love and how helpful they might be in building a bridge to someone who might be your enemy. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It is not proud. Does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love like that is powerful in anyone's life. But you can make a significant statement if you showed an enemy that kind of respect by loving them that way. Love like that equips us to repair relationships with even the worst of our enemies. And also, the Holy Spirit will give you the self-discipline to hang in there when you feel like quitting. It's true that on our own, many of us would quit building a bridge that seems impossible, or we wouldn't even attempt it. We wouldn't even start. But with the Holy Spirit, we can actually build this bridge even to an enemy. You may be still sitting there thinking, I, I appreciate your attempt, but uh, no can do over here. There's no way I could ever build a bridge to someone who hates me. I just don't see how that would ever be possible. All right, let me give you my, ba- my very best last effort. There's one additional verse that I think you need to see. It's in Matthew, the 19th chapter, the very end of verse 26. Jesus said, With man, this is impossible but with God, say it with me, all things are possible. All things are possible. When God's involved, he's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the ultimate game changer. All things are possible. Building a bridge to an enemy may seem impossible, but Jesus reminds us that with God, it is possible. Now, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, because it's probably not going to be, but it's possible. It can happen. Let me give you three things to remember when building a bridge that seems impossible. Don't forget these things. I think they'll, they'll serve you well through the process. Number one, bridges that seem impossible will be difficult. Let's not kid ourselves. Every bridge is challenging, and most bridges are costly to build. So we need to be prepared. Remember, things worth doing are seldom easy. They seldom are, but they're worth it. So expect there to be some challenges. It's gonna be difficult, but keep in mind that if you get to the other side, you finish building this bridge, it'll be all worth it. Trust me. You will have restored a relationship, and you will stop a little bit of the hate that's been going around our world, a little bit of the dissension. You will have bridged a little bit of the gap, and you will have made not only this world better, you'll have made your world better. The second thing I want you to remember is bridges that seem impossible involve real risk. You may put a ton of effort into this bridge only to see it collapse. You may be rejected and ridiculed by the very person you've been trying to repair a relationship with. Tragically, that may happen. But you may also connect find some common ground, and begin repairing that relationship with someone who previously despised you, they hated you. But keep in mind, there's real risk involved here. Number three, bridges that seem impossible are totally worth it. There's an old saying, no risk, no reward. With great risk comes the possibility of great reward. There may be failures, setbacks, and even complete startovers along the way. But if you don't risk something, you're never going to gain anything. So take a chance and see what rewards might come when you take a shot and you build a bridge that you thought was impossible. I want to close with a story from a book called Love Your Enemies by an author by the name of Arthur Brooks. This story is about a bridge that was built that was an impossible bridge, and it was built between two men, two of the most unlikely people to ever be friends. It started on September the 16th, 2017. Hawk Newsom and a group of protesters from Black Lives Matter of New York arrived on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., They were there to confront a group of Trump supporters who had gathered for what was called the mother of all rallies. People from all over the nation had come in. Just recently before that, Hawk had been in Charlottesville, Virginia, on the front lines protesting a rally by white nationalists. When Hawk and his team arrived on the mall, truthfully, they braced themselves for a confrontation. They even expected the possibility of injuries. He figured the pro-Trump marchers weren't much different than the white supremacists he'd seen just a few days earlier. The two sides, as expected, started trading insults, and the situation became more combustible by the minute. It was clear that another ugly confrontation was about to unfold But the people who pulled their phones out to record it all were disappointed because something happened. Something happened. Just as the insults seemed to be ready to to turn to blows and fighting, something completely unexpected took place. Tommy Hodges, the organizer of the pro-Trump rally, invited Hawk Newsome onto his stage. This is what he said. We're gonna give you two minutes of our platform To put your message out, he told Hawk. Whether they disagree or agree with your message is irrelevant. It's the fact that you have the right to have the message. Well, Hawk had showed up ready to fight, he didn't really feel like he was prepared to give a speech, but he accepted the opportunity. Hawk is a committed Christian. So he said to himself, I prayed a short prayer. And as he did, he said, I heard a voice in my heart telling me this, let them know who you are. So he took a deep breath, and he addressed the hostile crowd with passion and complete sincerity. This is what he said, my name is Hawk Newsom. I am president of Black Black Lives Matter New York. I am an American. And the beauty of America is that when you see something broken in your country, You can mobilize to fix it. To his utter surprise, the crowd burst into applause. Well, it emboldened Hawk. He continued, he said, so you say why there's a Black Lives Matter? Because you can watch a black man die and be choked to death on television and nothing happened. We need to address that. And then someone in the crowd yelled, That was a criminal. (coughs) Excuse me. And then boos started coming from the crowd. And the speech continued back and forth, back and forth. There was continuing boos and then some applause and more applause and more booing. (coughs) Then Hawk said, I said that I am an American. Secondly, I am a Christian. And once again, he's now connecting with his audience. We don't want handouts. We don't want anything that's yours. We want our God-given right to freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the crowd erupts into cheers again. And then someone shouted, all lives matter. And Hawk responded, you're right, my brother. You're right. You're so right. All right. All lives matter, right? But when a black life is lost, we got no justice. That is why we say black lives matter. Well, his two minutes were almost up, so he concluded his remarks by saying, listen, I want to leave you with this, and then I'm gone. If we really want to make America great, we do it together. And the crowd roared. They started chanting, USA, USA. A lady standing in the front row reached up and handed Hawk Newsome up American flag and he held it up and then he started to wave it. More cheers as he stepped off the stage to his shock and amazement. He was surrounded by Trump supporters who came up and embraced him. He can honestly say he did not expect that to happen that day. After meeting Hawk, a member of a very interesting group who had come to the rally, a member of Bikers for Trump, Now, envision a group that's a lot like the Sons of Anarchy, if you're familiar with that show. A news outlet interviewed one of the bikers for Trump, and this is what he said after meeting Hawk Newsom. I feel that he said, I feel what he said came from his heart. When he got on the stage, I probably agree with 90% of what he said. I listened to him with much love, respect, and honor, and I got that back. So, as far as I'm concerned, he's my brother now. Brotherhood was evidently breaking out all over the National Mall that day. There's a picture of Tommy Hodges and Hawk Newsome. This is what Hawk said it was euphoric. It kind of restored my faith in some of those people because when I spoke truths, they agreed. I feel like we made progress without either yielding, either side yielding. I went from being their enemy to someone they wanted to take pictures with their children. Hoxick, the experience changed him, saying he made a decision that day. I decided I'd rather go with love, he said. I'm not out to blast people anymore. I'm not out to argue, to fight. I'm here to make people understand, to make people come together. I'm here for progress. You will never know if building a bridge that seems impossible is actually possible. Until you try. I'm not sure that few of us us would have given much hope that Hawk Newsome and Tommy Hodges would ever be friends. But because one person took a step to build a bridge and the other respectfully responded, that's what happened. And before they knew it, an impossible bridge was built And that can happen again and again and again if we're willing to take the first step to build a bridge even when it seems impossible. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful that you took the initiative to build a bridge to us who could easily could easily have been seen as an enemy to you at certain points in our lives. Lord, when I think about building bridges, I think about fixing the problem. And I know we're not probably gonna solve the entire nation's problem or the problems that face our world or maybe even all the problems in our city, but we wanna be part of the solution, God. We wanna fix what is broken We want to repair damaged relationships. Because God, we want everyone to know the love that you have for them. And that can flow through us. You can use us, God. Please, give us the courage to do that. But there are some situations, truthfully, God, that just seem impossible to fix. People who don't like us Maybe if we're honest, God, people who we don't really like. Forgive us for that. Holy Spirit, will you fill us with your power? Will you fill us with your love? Will you fill us with that self-discipline that Paul talked about? Will you give us those things so we're equipped and that we have no excuse to not build that bridge, even if it seems impossible? God, I pray you'll awaken your church to be part of the solution to build bridges that cover the chasms that have been caused through all of the challenges we faced. Help us to be part of the solution that our world, that our city, that our neighborhoods desperately need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in with us today. Be sure you're staying connected by following NCC Lex on all social media platforms. Also, if you'd like more information on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, drop us a message on social or just shoot an email over to notes to money at NCC You guys have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.